Welcome to this sermon from Silver Lake Baptist Church. Our mission is to celebrate the greatness of God with all we are for the joy, hope, and renewal of our community. We are so glad you have chosen to listen to our message. We pray you will be blessed by your time with us today. Good morning, everybody. How you doing? You guys ready for Christmas? I was pulling in the... I got bad news, though, because I was pulling in the, um, in the parking lot, and I seen that Gossamer has eaten Rudolph. <laughs> so Gossamer's at Cindy's for figurehead suburban. She got, like, nose on him. I was like, what? Did, Gossip, did, did, your, did your suburban eat Rudolph or something? And she goes, his name's Gossamer. And I was like, Gossamer? Oh, cool. Okay. So anyway, kids, I'm sorry. Santa needs a substitute this year because Rudolph was eaten. But um, anyway, so let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your love and, and your goodness and just for being with us. Thank you for the season that we get to be here and celebrate you and celebrate your grace and celebrate who you are. And so we thank you for that in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so today, this morning, this thing's not wanting to cooperate with me. It's bucking with me a little bit. Yeah. Okay, there we go. Now he thinks I'm a midget. <laughs> like tattoo, the flame, the flame, boss. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's my eyes, right? See, he was thinking of me. Cause like, you know, the older you get, like, the the better your vision gets. Because, like, you have to hold things away. So, I was like, I'm like Superman. I'm getting better vision every way, every year. But, anyway, so I'm going to re- do the gospel this morning according to Jeremiah. You know, he was the happy prophet. Right? <laughs> So he, that's what they called him, right? Because he was crying all the time. He was so happy. He was like the weeping prophet. I'm just so... No, anyway. Okay, so Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4. It says this. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born... I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Time out. Okay. Before he was born, he knew us. Right? Remember in John, when I'm going to John, 1 John, it says, In him was all things, and he was before all things. Right? Technically, like when Adam, Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what they went from eternity, but when they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what they literally fell into was time, right? So really, before time existed, Adam and Eve existed, right? And so you see the fall put us into a different place. So we worry about time, but really our spirits are not in time, right? Our spirits are eternal. Guess what? You are going to live for eternity, right? And so we can be earthly minded on this little time thing, or we can be heavenly minded thinking in the long run on eternal things. And that's what God's always trying to say to us is like, don't live from your flesh, but live from your 
spirit. Everything, this whole book's about that completely. But in him and before him, all things existed, right? Or before all things that he existed, right? So he's like, you know what? I knew you, Jeremiah. Hey, he's, he's talking to kid here, man. He's showing up. Like, I think he's probably like 17 years old or something. He's a teenager, man. He's showing up and he's saying, hey, Jeremiah, guess what? Before you were born, I knew you. He's like, before I formed anything, I had a plan for you and a purpose for you. And I want to do great things in your life. Will you trust me? And you know what? He's saying that very same thing to us this morning, too. You see, we just think, well, it's just coincidences and things are just happening. But I'm going to prove to you this morning that there is no such thing as coincidence. Do you know there's actually not even that word in the Hebrew language? No such thing as coincidence. So now listen. It says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. You know what he said? I had a plan for you. I had a purpose for you. I had something that I wanted to do in your life. And in time, right? Just in time, right? But maybe not just in time, but maybe in eternity too, right? I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Ah, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am only a child. He's like, anybody ever hear those voices? Like, oh, you can't do this. Oh, you can't do that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, there you go. Chico, go, Chico. I like that, right? Na- name him. Could have named him like Cheech, too. Cheech, Chico, whatever. Yeah, I'm good. Came from a song. Yeah. No, but see, you get these voices and you get this self talk that says, well, you're never going to make it. You're not good enough. I'm too young or I'm too old. Or in my case, I'm like, well, I'm too good looking. I'm too smart. <laughs> but it's the same problems, right? And then. You start disqualifying yourself from what God wants to do in your life. And that's exactly what was happening to Jeremiah. Jeremiah played a big role in these scriptures. God had a great purpose. He played a big role in Israel because he he had the guts to stand up and do what probably no one else would do. But that was God's plan for his life. But that self-talk creeps in. You can't do this. You can't do that. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. Well, remember back when you messed up like two minutes ago or 50 years ago, or you're going to mess up in two minutes anyway. And yes, you are. All of us are, right? And it tries to disqualify you from what God's called you and what God has planned for your life. You know what that self-talk, self-doubt, and a lot of it, like, we think that it's the enemy that's doing it to us, and it's in his nature and his spirit, but a lot of times it's our flesh, too. But we know any time, do you know what Satan's name means? What? Accuser. Accuser. Now, who's the first person that Satan accused? God. God. Hath God said. Like, God's not even off limits to him, right? And so, and then, then here, here's what I'm learning to do in my life because I know faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And the Bible talks a lot about faith. We want great faith, right? The Bible says that we're saved by faith through 
grace, not of works, lest any man should boast, right? So thank God I get to boast about certain things, like, man, I'm smart and good looking, you know. That, but that's a gift from God too, right? So I get to boast in him, right? But here, here, here the accuser comes and he's accusing God, and then the moment they do what he wants, do you know who he's accusing? Them, before God. And, and the Bible says that he, he, your adversary, the devil, is accusing you day and night before God. And do you know what God's saying? Forgiven. Whoop, here's a receipt. It's paid. It's paid in full because of what Jesus done. He's like, well, that, what about this? And, Jesus, and God's like, oh, look at this. He's like, hey, Dad, look at the blood. Look at my finished work. Look what I done. Look, look at this. That's what makes Christmas so powerful. That's what makes it so wonderful. Now, we talk about faith, and, and the Bible says that we are saved by grace through faith. And here's the thing. Grace is God's part. He's provided all the grace we need. You know, grace isn't just a thing, but it's a person, and his name is Jesus. He sent Jesus to us, right? He did his part. Now, faith is our part. Man, I don't have enough faith. You guys remember the woman in the Bible who's like, I believe, but help my unbelief. Was it a woman or a man? I don't remember the story, but I remember it was a woman, right? And, and, and do you know what Jesus said? You rotten sucker. Do you know who I am? I'm before all things, and in me all things exist. And you're coming to me, and you're saying, I believe, but I don't believe? How dare you? No. Do you know what Jesus said? Anybody? He healed her. You know? Why? Because he saw... If you have the faith of a grain of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be removed and cast in the sea. And what happens? It will be done, right? He didn't cast her out. Do you know what he did? He's like, I'll take that. I'll take whatever you got, whatever little bit you got, right? So faith was, was, grace is God's part, but faith is our part. What are we going to believe? Are we going to believe what God says? Or are we going to believe that self-doubt? Are we going to believe what God's done? Or are we going to rest on what we do? Because if we're resting on just what we do, we're all in trouble. He's our hope. He's our everything, and we can trust him. So here's faith unlocks the power of grace. Anybody know what sodium is? What's that? Not, not by itself, it's not. Yeah. You know, if you get too much sodium, do you know what it'll do? It'll kill you. You know, if you get too much chloride, you'll get, you know what chloride is? If you get too much of that, do you know what it'll do? It'll kill you. But we have this thing that we can't live without. In fact, God said that, that, that we're that of the earth. And do you know what that's called? Salt. Right? The Bible says that we are the salt of the earth, right? What is that? It's two poisons. Yeah, it's two poisons set together, put together that heal and produce life. You have too much of one, you're, you're dead. You have too much of the other, but when it comes together in just the right amount, guess what happens? 
It produces life. It produces nourishment. It produces everything you need. Nothing can live without salt, right? And that's what it is, grace and faith. Sodium and chloride mixed together, right? Although God's grace won't ever kill you, right? It did kill his son. Actually, it didn't kill him. Jesus volunteered, right? Probably not a good choice. Like if I was him, I'd have been not for those sorry suckers. And I'd be looking in the mirror, right? So faith is not something you do in order to obtain a response from God. Listen to this. I always heard that growing up. I seen my, my sister when she was sick. My mom and dad would go go to go to church and she was in a they were staying on the church campgrounds in, in Texas and and my sister was on her deathbed and and they were expecting her to die. And so my mom got up that morning and went to church and she sat in there praying. She goes, Pray for our family and like she's going past this morning and it's really bad and all this and just pray for him and and people come up to him and said, You know what, if you had more faith her daughter is getting ready to die. It looked hopeless. And do you know what they're putting the blame on? On her faith. They're blaming the mom. That's not God. Not, not okay at all. Now listen, watch this. That goes back to the woman where she went up to it. I believe that helped my unbelief, right? Is God really like that? Like, was God really like that? Because I want to tell you something. My sister, laying on her deathbed, she's like, okay, God, I'm ready to go. And God says, no, I ain't done with you. Get up. She hadn't got up in seven or eight months. Couldn't eat. She was pretty much a vegetable. No, I'm going to heaven. She's like, no, get up. Like, no, I want to go to heaven. I'm tired. The third time he said it, she's like, I thought I better listen. So she flipped her leg off to the side, which she could barely move, and the moment her leg hit the ground, she was completely healed. They're in the dining room planning her funeral, and she walks in, hasn't eaten a regular meal in nine months, says, I'm hungry, can I have breakfast? After they got up off the floor, <laughs> they fixed her breakfast, right? God's grace is the most important asset for our lives. You can't live without it. It's like salt. And we get the opportunity to mix our faith with him and believe it. We think that it's faith that moves God. Faith is not something you do in order to obtain a response from God. Faith doesn't move God. You know what moves God? Grace. Grace moves God independent of you. Now listen to this one more time. Faith is not something you do in order to obtain a response from God. Faith doesn't move God. Grace moves God independent of you. You're like, well, then why do I have faith? What does faith do for me? I'm glad you asked. You guys are so bright. But, like, you're on it this morning. We got some great, great questions. You know what faith does? Faith moves you into a position to where God is. 
Now, as a horse trainer, I totally get this. Because all I'm trying to do with the horses is like, when I used to, I'd just try to make these horses do everything I wanted. Like, do you know how smart it is to make 11, 1200 pound animal do everything you want? And think that you can make it? You know, all you end up getting is them fighting you. And then we oh, I'm a tough macho cowboy, I beat that horse. You might have got a victory because it's tired, but I guarantee you, in the long run, it's going the hot dog stand on you and you're going with it, right? And it's not going to be fun, right? How smart is that, right? It's, I'm going to dominate, I'm going to make it work. And we do that with faith. God, I'm going to believe you and it's my faith that's going to do it. The righteous live by faith and I'm going to faith it to happen. I mean, am I right? Anybody else done that? Do you know what we're doing is we're making faith a work. Make, we're, faith is our part, but faith is not our power. Faith is not what's moving God. Grace moves God. What happens is we're standing over here and God's over here. And we're saying, I have faith in you and grace is sitting here. I've provided all that stuff you need. All you got to do is get an agreement with me. That's what I do with the horses now. Like, I'll let them move their feet all they want. And when they hit the right spot, I'll take the pressure off. That's where I want you. And it'll take them very long to figure out, hey, that's way better. And then they start connecting with me, and, and they get out of this survival instinct, right, where they're just trying to survive. It's either fight or flight, you know? I'm going to fight you, or I'm going to run, right? I get in that mode sometimes, too, right? I walked in the house and it was storming, and so I come in and I'm all muddy, so I just strip down and I'm in my underwear and I'm going to go to the shower. Like anybody got, I'm a, I'm a human being. Don't look at me like oh, Pastor James ran into the bathroom in, in his underwear, you know? So, so I'm going in there. Linda's gone, and I walk around, and the back door's open off my deck. And my spidey senses go, Bling! I'm like, somebody's in the house. I'm in my underwear. I have no weapons. What am I going to do? I said, you know what I do? I was like, you know what? I, I'm going to go through the entire house and clear this thing. So I go through my office and I go through the dining room, go through the kitchen. I go and I shut the door and lock. I was like, someone's in here. I'm going to get them. Go into our bathroom and down and then start to go down the stairs. And I hear this noise in, in the garage. They're in the garage. Oh, no, what am I going to do? I'm like, I ain't got nothing. I'm in my underwear. I can scare them. Right? I know what I'll do. I'll scare them. And so I've learned a long time ago, I don't mind fighting someone who's mad because they're going to make bad choices, but I don't ever want to fight someone who's scared. So if someone's letting me know they're scared, I'm out, man, because like, I know there's a certain adrenaline stuff you do. So if I ever have to fight, I'm letting you know I'm scared right off the bat. go. I'm going to be like Davy Crockett and Alamo, and I was like, I'm just going to let you know I'm a screamer. I'll fight my guts out, but I'm a screamer, right? So I hear this rustling, and I was like, oh, no. And so door comes up, and this, our laundry door opens, and I jump in the middle of the door, and I'm like, ah! And it's Linda. <laughs> And Linda's got stuff in her hands. Ah! 
are you doing? What's the matter with you? Why are you screaming at me? And I just stopped and I just fell over laughing because like, I was like, if anyone else could see this picture, this would be really horrible, right? And she's mad at me now. She's in a good mood, but now she's mad at me. What is the matter with you? And I was like, that door was open. And so now she's scared too. And so now she's like, you better go through this house. And so now I'm going through the house and I'm laughing at the same time. And I'm thinking, well, if, if someone is in there, they're either dying laughing or they're already gone. But I let that fear get to me. Right? I, I started believing the wrong thing. Like, am I the only one that's ever done that? Come on, guys. Like, I started believing the wrong thing. And I started assuming. And somewhere along the line, I lost my faith. I had more faith that my fear could save me than I had faith that God had already worked it out. How many of us are like that, right? So here's God over here in his grace. Here we are in our faith, and God's like, if you really want to be with me, if you want to make salt, step right over here. You know what faith is? It's agreeing with God's grace. Not works. Works is over here. I have faith that if I do this, it'll happen. If I do that, do you know what it's going to do? It's going to kill you. It's going to kill you on the inside. It's going to kill you on the outside. It's going to kill everything you do. Because you're not putting your faith in God's grace and finished work, but you're putting your faith in what you can do to earn what he's given you freely. That's stupid. That's like insanity is doing the same thing over and expecting the same result, like hitting your head in the wall, against the wall. Not cool, right? So all we got to do is move over here into God's part, into his grace, and trust what he's doing. That's what faith is. We're going to move into where God's at and trust him and his grace. Faith is just not my positive response to what God has already done by grace. It's just not a positive. Faith is just my positive response to what God has already done by grace. You guys understand that? It's my positive response to what God's doing. Not what I do to get something from God. I'm responding to the finished thing that he's done. Jesus said it might be finished if you do things right. When he's on the cross, right? No, he said it's finished. That's the real Sabbath that we enter into. Faith does not cause a response from God. Faith is my response from God. Faith faith resting in the Lord is resting in the Lord, resting in his grace. And of course, we labored in his grace. But so here we have this man that was formed before God. And he's like, man, I don't have the, I don't, I can't do it. I'm done. It's over. How am I ever going to make this happen? And you know what the Lord says? You're right. I'll go get the next guy. You can't do it. All hope's lost. You're done. Could I have, I have some pictures. Could I get one of them up? So I want you to look at this. This, like I feel like a weatherman when I do this. It's going to rain every day and I'll be right half the time. Right? This is Monday. Last Monday. 
This is Tom Brady. This is Oklahoma's own greatest quarterback ever. His name is Baker Mayfield, Heisman Trophy winner. Although congratulations to Caleb Williams from OU West Coast on winning the Heisman last night. But this is Baker Mayfield. This is Brady. Look down at those scores. Monday night the score was 16 to three with three minutes and two seconds left. And guess who won that game? Tom Brady did. He was down by two touchdowns. Within three minutes, they both won. He won, two, scored two touchdowns, and won 17 to 16. Comes Thursday night, and here comes Baker Mayfield. Can I see the next picture? Now look at the score, 16 to 7. And this was on Bleacher Report, and it said, what a difference three days makes. But I got a question for you. What difference does three days make? See, this was on Tuesday. This is Baker Mayfield. You know, if anyone knows anything about football, he's number six. He was cut from his team on Tuesday. They said, you know something, Baker? You suck. You're washed up. You can't do it no more. You're out of here. And so they put him on waivers. And when they put him on waivers, he didn't even know where he was going. But he decided, you know what? I, I kind of have a click with, with the Rams coach, and they need a quarterback. I think I want to go there. So before they even claimed him on waivers, you know what he did? He took a gamble on himself and bought a ticket to L.A. He gets to L.A. less than 48 hours to learn a playbook, an NFL playbook. There's Baker, number six. His head down, beaten up, told his career's over, told him he can't do it anymore, told he'll never make it. He's sent to another team. When he gets to the Los Angeles Rams, guess what happens? He's number six. He's been number six his entire life. Like he is the number one pick in the NFL draft. You don't go and just take any number. But guess what happened? All the specialist numbers were taken, except one number. And guess what number he had to take? Number 17. So he goes from number six. Now, in Hebrew, if you know anything about Hebrew, how many of you know that this book was written in Hebrew? Oh, yeah. Right? So, so as you're reading this book and you have this Hebrew mindset, do you know that every word ha is represented by a number? And every number has a word, and everything means something. That's why Jesus said, I'll dot every, or uh, cross every tittle and toddle or whatever, right? You know what I'm talking about. But it, it has a meaning. It has a purpose. Just every jot and tittle, man. Every I and every cross, man, means something. And every number means something. Here this man is number six. And you know what number six represents in, in Hebrew? Man. Man. Man's power. Man's ability. What can man do? In his own power and in his own ability, look what happened. You know, he was pretty cocky at times. He tried to put the teams on his back and do it all himself. You know what happened? He failed. He's a believer, by the way. Counted out. No hope. Not going to make it. 
pulls out to the Rams less than 48 hours to learn the most complicated playbook in the NFL. He gets there and he's supposed to be the backup. The quarterback goes one series and guess what happens? In goes Baker Mayfield. You know what Baker Mayfield does? They go to the fourth quarter and the fourth quarter, can we go back to that last slide? 16 to three, with three minutes and 23 seconds left. You know what he did? He brought him back. Not only did he bring him back, can we go back to the next slide? He's happy not because he got in the game, but he's happy because they won. He brought him back with a touchdown. Then they kick the ball off, they stop him, and they're like, you know what, we've got this game won. And do you know what the punter does? He kicks the ball and nails him down at the two-yard line. 98 yards, less than like a minute and a half to go. No timeouts. Do you know what all the stats say? Not going to happen. You know, in 45 years, no one has ever brought a team back from that kind of deficit. Now you're just thinking this is just one game, but this man's been through seven different coaches. This is his third team. He's counted out. And he brings the team back and wins the game. 17 to 16. That's what Tom Brady's score was. 17 to 16. But I want to he's focus you. 17. He's number 17. And seven. Yeah. And seven is rest. Yeah. So it, like God speaks to yourself. Do you guys think that's just a coincidence? Because you know what 17 represents in Hebrew? Victory. Not just victory, but overcoming victory through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Guess what day Jesus, does three days make a difference? Because I want to tell you something. It was on a Friday, probably a Thursday more like, that Jesus was buried and crucified. But on the third day, guess what? He rose. Right? Three days. But guess what day he rose again on? The 17th of Nisan. Guess how old, um, when you see the promises of Abraham, in Genesis, guess what chapter that it starts saying, hey, Abraham, you're going to have a son? Chapter 17. Guess what, guess what um, day that the ark landed on ground? On the 17th. 17th is, is stretched. That's why the rabbis and believers believe in or associate that number 17 so, so much. Now, it wasn't. It hasn't been done in 45 years. Do you know what 45 means to the Hebrew mind? Now watch this. Provision, protection, and preservation. You're like, Pastor James, what are you smoking? Not at all. Not at all. What I'm trying to tell you, God's trying to talk to us. And he'll talk to us through any way he can. Do you know what he's trying to tell us? 
if we put our faith in ourselves, we're going to be over here on our own. We're going to be like Baker Mayfield number six. But when we align ourselves with God's promises and plan, move our faith in with his grace, then we're going to find victory. And you know where that victory comes, sir? It comes from the resurrection. That's where the power comes, through him. What's dead in your life? What looks hopeless in your life? What looks like it's not going to make it in your life? My Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's a God who breathes life to the dead. Right? Gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. He's still talking to us. He's talking to everyone. Maybe if you have a little bit more of a Hebrew mind, it might be like... But he's still talking to us. He's telling you and encouraging you. Now, one of the things that I've learned when like, I don't have a lot of faith sometimes. Am I the only one like that? God, I don't have enough faith. And God says, good, doubt it. Okay, God, that's stupid. Why would you say doubt it? Like, no, just doubt it. Doubt what? Doubt you're not good enough. Doubt that what the enemy says to you is true. Because really, all, all you're doing when you're, when you're doubting is faith is just doubting the wrong thing. Because when I doubt something, I have faith in something else. Do I have more faith in what I'm saying or what the accuser is saying than what God says about me? So that's one thing I started doing in my life. You're not good enough. I doubt it. You're not going to make it. This ain't going to work out. I doubt it. Why do you doubt that? Because that's over here. And I'm right here. And in him, all things are possible. Right? See that in Jeremiah, what God did? And I'm out of time because it's so, it goes so much farther into this. But Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for just being with us. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about us, check out our website at www.silverlakebaptist.org.